0: Mike White leads the backup QB takeover. The Green Bay Packers have toppled the unbeaten Cardinals.
1: And injuries and trades have shaken up the NFL.
0: Welcome to Saturday Morning Inspection.
1: Saturday Morning Inspection. I'm Nick Rudman, joined as always by my co-host, Andrew Mice. We are not a show with the same talking heads you see on big sports media. We don't have the fancy suits or the big budgets. We got to make up for it by being ridiculously smart and ridiculously good looking.
0: All right, that's right, Nick. And because we're the exact opposite of big sports media, we need your help. We need your support. So if you can like, comment, and subscribe on our videos, uh, watch us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your listening pleasure may be, we greatly appreciate it. We have a great show today, so let's get into it. Our first topic today, the Green Bay Packers have toppled the Arizona Cardinals in the desert. I'm going to let you start off on this one, Nick.
1: Yeah, this is an absolutely surprise for everybody except you and I. We both picked it on our special Thursday episode last week. I'm going to be honest, I expected a little more Rodgers magic, but he managed the game very well, controlled the flow of the game. The Green Bay Packers ran the ball, and when it came right down to it, they made that one defensive play on that pick in the end zone. An absolute thriller of a game and an absolute heartbreaker of a loss for Arizona. How do you take this? Do you see this as more as a big Green Bay win or a big Arizona defeat?
0: Uh, I think this is more of an Arizona uh win. leveling point. I think they've been riding high. I think they've been squeaking by, kind of like Baltimore had been for a few weeks. I think uh, they finally met their level. They finally came back down to earth a little bit. They were playing over their ability. And like you said, we knew this was going to happen. We called it on our special episode that we put out last week. Uh, even though Rodgers was missing like half of his offense, we still felt that Green Bay... Coach by Matt LaFleur, who did a great job. He's been doing great so far. Uh, and Aaron Jones, great running back. They're just going to have enough firepower. And the defense played pretty well, I think, against a, a very powerful Arizona Cardinals offense.
1: Yeah, they did a great job making Kyler Murray not comfortable in the pocket or when he scrambled outside the pocket, forced it into a couple turnovers. Obviously, the big one at the end. You mentioned the coaching job LaFleur did. I think he was masterful in his game plan. You know, Arizona's a very aggressive team on first down defensively. They like to bring the blitz. According to next gen stats, they have the second highest blitz rate in the league on first down. What Green Bay did is they used a lot of quick passes, a lot of quick screens, a lot of quick uh, quick outs off play action to slot receivers and tight ends. I think they ran a few to Amari Rogers and uh, a few to Tunyon before he got hurt, and, and it worked masterfully. It slowed the game down, it put them ahead of the change. Arizona didn't really have a response the entire game. It was a masterful game plan by LaFleur. You know, there's all this conversation about Rodgers and the job he's done. Let's give it up for LaFleur's coaching job and that green Bay red zone defense with making the plays they need to uh, make to win games.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's a big contributor to all of this. Uh, when they're down and out, all the receivers are hurt. Uh, the magic on uh, a lot of defensive players were hurt or out as well. Uh, that's what a good coach does. he, he changes up the game plan, and that's what you do when you don't have all your weapons. Short plays, you know, short slants, sh- runs. Uh, I think uh, it was a great game plan executed very well, and I think we were less surprised than Rogers was because I have you brought up next gen. This is uh, Amazon Web Stats, AWS. This is their uh, stat for Rogers when he found out that they finally won. Uh, I believe this was the face that he made. Uh, he was a little bit surprised. He might have been, you know, a little shaken up, but you know they got it done. And you know, I say congrats to Green Bay. People have been questioning them all year. People have been uh, rumor milling: uh, Is Rodgers going to leave? Is he going to stay? Uh, I think what's important now is they are a bona fide threat to go to the Super Bowl this year.
1: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I think this is the first step in the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe, like you said, lev- leveling off a little. You know, I, I think they were riding a really hot streak. I think they still had a lot of momentum, but that heartbreaker, heartbreaker of a pick in the end zone on that throw from Kyler Murray to A.J. Green, they called it a miscommunication or, or whatever it ended up being. That's just a tough loss at home against a short uh, handed Green Bay team. Great win by Green Bay, tough loss for Arizona. You know, speaking of tough losses, we got to go to this Tennessee Titans Indianapolis Colts game. The Colts needed this game to keep up with Tennessee and that uh, AFC South divisional race. They got the Titans at home. The Colts have been playing better. The Colts came out with a great game plan. They jumped up 14-0. They held Derrick Henry to less than three yards per carry, forced Tennant Hill into two interceptions, forced the Tennessee Titans to uh, surrender 160 penalty yards, and still lost. How much of a heartbreaker is this a defeat for ten, uh, for Indianapolis? And can they recover the rest of the season?
0: Uh, I think it's a big heartbreaker for Indianapolis. This is their best chance. Well, uh, it's not their best chance anymore. They have a pretty good chance next time they meet. Now, for the unfortunate circumstances that Derrick Henry has met, uh, getting the broken fifth metatarsal on his foot, potentially out for the rest of the season. Uh, His surgery was successful, though, so there's hope. You know, people come back crazy fast nowadays. You never know. Maybe it'll be... Back for playoffs if they can squeak in but I think uh, for a team to come out so hot so fast and then slowly give the game back up uh, it's very difficult for them to do that Uh, and I think it really hurts their morale hurts their mental I think uh, it's it's tough for a team to overcome those type of losses
1: yeah, absolutely, especially since they've been playing better. They beat San Francisco in San Francisco on Sunday Night Football not long ago. Um, they obviously had a chance against Baltimore, blew that, and then they, they blew this game after the early lead. You know, Wentz throws a pick six less than two minutes to go in the game and those that crucial heartbreaker of an interception in overtime. You know, Wentz had been playing better, but, but I think the reality is starting to set in that ever since he had that hot start to his career in Philadelphia – He's just a second rate or even a third rate quarterback. And I think Frank Reich's got to be frustrated. He he joined the Colts thinking he had Andrew Luck and he had a franchise guy for the next decade and he's just had nothing but instability at the quarterback position over his entire tenure, ever since Luck uh, surprisingly retired a couple of years ago. I think it doesn't look good for Wentz. I don't think it looks good for the Colts. Um unfortunately for the Titans, even though they got the win, it doesn't look good for them either. You know, the injury to Derrick Henry, like you mentioned, he is such a huge part of that offense, obviously. It's not just the running game. It's the play action off of it. You know, we got the news that they brought in veteran Adrian Peterson to hope fill that role uh, in the backfield. They do have Mick Nichols, who's more of a third down running back. It's going to put a lot of pressure on Tannehill to try and do something with that offense. I, I just don't see it happening. I still think they win the division just because that division isn't very good, right? They have the Jaguars, they have the Texans, and obviously the Colts, like we mentioned. But I don't think the Titans are uh, a contender in the AFC like they w- were probably feeling as they walked off the field uh, Sunday after beating uh, the Colts. Do you disagree or, or do you think they still have a shot?
0: No, I think they kind of limped out of that game. Uh, I think the injury to Henry is huge. It's worse than losing a starting quarterback for them. Uh, They could have lost Tannehill and been much better off. Um, Tannehill, even though he has some good weapons and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, he just isn't the player to take this team to where they need to go. Uh, Like you said, weak division. Do they win the division? Most likely. Uh, I think Carson Wentz has a pretty good chance the way that he plays to like somehow break both of his ankles at the same time. Uh, but like you said, it's going to be tough going forward. They probably make it in, in the playoffs, but they, I don't see him progressing after the first round now that this news is hit. Uh, another uh, huge injury happened as well that we can touch on in the same vein. Uh, Jameis Winston is now a uh, season uh ligament injury in the knee a um, huge blow to that Saints team. Uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? So
1: the one good thing with the Saints, right, is they were kind of going through a transitional phase at quarterback anyway. Drew Brees retired, obviously, at the end of last year. You know, Taysom Hill was supposed to be their gadget guy. He got hurt. Uh, Winston was kind of brought in to kind of maybe bridge the gap or potentially grow into a franchise quarterback. He had been up and down all season to begin with, you know, had some good games, had some bad games, hadn't been really productive I think losing him isn't nearly as big a deal for the Saints as losing Henry is for the Titans. I think Sean Payton's done a heck of a job as a coach of the Saints. You know, watching the Saints play Tampa, they reminded me a lot of uh, the Rams teams a few years ago with Jared Goff uh, when they were winning a lot of games. You know, just like the Rams had Todd Gurley, the Saints have Alvin Kamara – you know, the Saints have a really good defense. They got Hayward on the front four. They got Lattimore as an uh, all-pro DB on the back end. They got a really good game planner in Sean Payton. You know, I think it's going to be a lot of what Payton can do to create points and, and create big plays through scheming and, and different offensive uh, play calls and things like that. And it's going to be a lot of feeding Camara both in the running game and the passing game. I think the Saints are going to be fine. Uh, but I do think this limits their upside. I don't think they were a Super Bowl contender to begin with, but they're definitely not now. Um, now, now Trevor Simeon's an interesting guy. He has a lot of NFL experience. He played a lot for Denver and, and had some success. Uh, he, he, In fact, he beat Tom Brady coming into the game of leaving Winston. Uh, do you think this is a flash in the pan for Simeon, or do you think he can, can step it up and, and lead the Saints and surprise some people the rest of the year? Uh,
0: I don't think it's a flash in the pan. I'm actually a big Trevor Simeon fan. I watched him a lot when he went to Northwestern. He was part of their 2 prong quarterback attack, him and King Coulter. King Coulter was the more athlete of the bunch. Uh, run the ball more, he would also throw, but Simeon was the real passer. It was a very interesting offense that Pat Fitzgerald had there, and uh, Simeon was a huge part of it. I think he's a great passer. I don't think he's much of an athlete uh, like Winston or Hill would be, but I think he's asset to this team. But I think there's another key factor that people aren't thinking of. The Saints have now gotten back the lifeblood of that team, the heart and soul, and the beat that keeps on drumming. Mark Ingram is back with the Saints. And I think that the morale boost he brings to that team, as we saw in the party they had in the locker room after the big win against Tampa, I think that keeps them. They didn't look like a team who was devastated that they lost their starting quarterback. They look like a team that they are together. They're happy and they're ready to move on from whatever comes their way. They could lose the whole team and they're still going to fight. I think that they're going to be a threat moving forward. And the, the thought process that Winston is down. So the saints are down could be dangerous to other teams coming into games with them in the future.
1: Yeah. And, and I encourage everybody whenever they get a chance, go on YouTube and look up this part. Actually, hold on. Go on YouTube, and before you look at this party, make sure you uh, watch our videos and, and comment, subscribe, and all that. But uh, definitely check out – after you do all that, definitely check out the uh, the locker room party that the Saints threw after beating Tampa. You had a good shot of Jameis Winston you know, on crutches yeah. dancing around in some fog. Uh, what are the over-under on uh, – on painkillers that that he had going on, Jameis Winston after tearing his ACL but still dancing in the locker room. What do you think? What do you think there?
0: Uh, over the recommended dosage for <laughs> sure. Uh, he was definitely definitely uh, living life. He couldn't feel anything, so uh, good for them though. They deserved it. Uh, another tight game happened this week in another a thriller, so to speak. One that I called and it just narrowly went away from my call. The Chiefs and the Giants had a battle in Arrowhead Stadium this weekend.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And kudos to you. You you know, you picked New York to win and and they came up just short. They had plenty of opportunities. Great job on you. I didn't see it. I saw this as kind of a Kansas City, you know, kind of showing out a little bit in front of their home fans. Prime time beating a, a very beat up Giants team. Uh, but they didn't, right? The Giants went toe-to-toe with them and, and hung in there very, very well. And this was their, like I said, they're very hurt. They're obviously without Barkley. A lot of their weapons at receiver are hurt. Daniel Jones didn't have his best game, but he did good enough. I, I think the Chiefs are in real trouble. They, they weren't very efficient on offense. Mahomes threw another pick. They only scored 20 points, right? This was a Giants team that Dallas, another quality team, dropped 44 on a few weeks ago. Kansas City needed all four quarters just to get to 20. They pulled out a a really close game. I I think defensively they gave up some big plays and they could have given up more. The Giants just didn't have the weapons to score more. I think Kansas City has real, real issues.
0: And Mahomes, I believe he fumbled a few times as well. Uh, it, It was just an overall sloppy, sloppy game. And to be honest with you, I never thought that I would say this, but we are at a point now where Mahomes looks bad. He looks like a liability every time he steps out on the field. Uh, I don't know what the issue is. He, he, he ha- he's he got new offensive linemen who are good. Um, he's got the offensive weapons. He's got, like, two great running backs. He's got great receivers. He's got the best tight end possibly of all time. Uh, I, I know their defense is horrible, but they should at least be able to put up points on offense. So I he's going through some issues, and I don't know if he's gonna figure him out this season. And I don't know what he needs to do to figure him out. I think he probably needs to take some time away from the commercial realm, maybe get his head on straight and uh, figure it out. I think um we'll get into this a little bit later in our top five segment. And I'll sh- oh, there's some trends that have happened that I've seen that uh caused players uh lately to not perform up to their ability but uh yeah that this has been very surprising i I never would have been a i would never would have bet that say that mahomes was a bottom tier quarterback in the league when he's been stepping on the field lately that they're not even going to make it to the playoffs and they're not even close to making it to the playoffs currently um it's just very surprising
1: yeah, and I, th- I think a big part of it, watching the game, and I think the the Manning brothers hit on it a little bit, is how easy for the first few years of his career Mahomes and that offense had it. You know, they were very explosive, very fast, and teams really weren't sure how to play them, and they obviously had a better offensive line. So they got a lot of man-on-man coverage and got to take advantage of a lot of great matchups like Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey. Well, the Giants did a great job. They played a lot of soft zones and took away those deep passes and forced Mahomes to be patient and methodical and basically play like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Well, Mahomes hasn't had to do that for the majority of his career, and he just struggled like he's been struggling all season. Hopefully, you know, for him and the Chiefs' sake, he catches a little bit more rhythm and understands how to, you know, as, as Peyton Manning talked about, look long and then look short, you know, touchdown, then check down. I think that's a big part of what he needs to process going forward. I, I do think this team has a chance, but I think Mahomes needs to take that next step in understanding that he no longer has just an offensive firepower advantage like he did the first few years in his career and needs to focus more on, okay, manufacture first down, stay ahead of the chains. Because they can't just, you know for a few years there, it didn't matter the down and distance. They were just so explosive. But now it's, it's harder for them. The offensive lineman has issues. The receivers aren't quite as good or they're not quite as deep at receiver. And it's just he hasn't been able to transition his game a little bit to better handle that. And right now they're tied for last in that division with the Denver Broncos. And I don't think many people saw that coming. And, and I think they're, they're in real trouble unless Mahomes can turn it around.
0: Last point on this before we move on to the next thing. And it's the point that I can bring up. Cause I know uh, what's the difference between this team this year and this team last year. I will point the, pose the question to you. What's the difference in the Ravens passing offense the last two weeks versus every other week this season. The 400-yard game that Lamar had. You know what that difference is? The lack of Sammy Watkins in the offense. Sammy Watkins is a very valuable third-down check-down receiver. He's very reliable hands. He's been good. The Saints have had Sammy Watkins the last few years. They decided to trade him away. This offense looks transformed. Is that the is that the reason? Probably not the sole reason, but it could be a big contributor to this. Well, it's you know I, I you and
1: know, I have talked about it a little bit when you start paying all your players like they had to do with Mahomes the the depth that <clears throat> that third tier group of guys they don't have a chance to you know you don't have a chance to keep them so like like you brought up with Watkins they had to let Watkins go and so they lost that element and and you're right it's a good point maybe that has a sort of downstream effect and that's really bottling up their offense
0: yeah i think uh just maybe Watkins was like a really he's like a second a uh, number 2 guy that was playing in the number 3 spot so they had two number 2 guys out there and then a the number 1 guy in Tyreek kill and that was really what made it easy for Mahomes. There's always a mismatch out there. There's always that target. And now when teams can lock you up, it's a lot harder for him. Uh, but moving on to a team I think in your corner of your eye, you've had a, a, a shine to this season. You like to talk about them a lot. But the San Francisco 49ers, I'll let you get dig into this one, but they've been, they've been impressive as of late, getting healthier. Yeah,
1: they're getting healthier and they beat up on Chicago. They won 33 to 22 with their running game and their passing game. Garoppolo threw for over 300. Uh, the running back Mitchell, who's only playing because of the injuries they've had at that position, ran for well over 100 yards. They beat Chicago in Chicago. I think the big takeaway there is Trent Williams, their all pro, all world pro bowl left tackle, finally returned. Trent Williams was at the top of my list when we ranked our top five offensive linemen in the NFL at one of our earlier shows, he is absolutely a difference maker for that offense. The ability for him to use zone blocking and pulling, and by zone blocking, I mean he's able to take a gap to his left or his right, so whoever he's blocking in that gap, and move them and control them down, and it allows holes to open up that running backs like Elijah Mitchell can cut behind. And his pass blocking gives Garoppolo that extra beat or allows Garoppolo to step up and run. Garoppolo had two rushing touchdowns. Big day for Garoppolo, big day for that offense. You know, we, we we talked about the 49ers and, well, what's the missing piece? Is it Trey Lance? You know, is he going to come in and make a difference? Is it George Kittle getting healthy? It may be Trent Williams because they look like a contender against Chicago last weekend.
0: Absolutely. I think Trent Williams is a huge factor, and I think he's been a factor ever since he's gotten to the team. Like you said, uh, he's back. They're better than ever. I think they get a little bit healthier in the running back department I think they get a, a Kittle return to form possibly could help. Uh, the, and there there's no, there's no way but up for them in a division that's completely up for grabs after a loss from Arizona.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of division up for grabs, you know, we got to touch on that big rivalry game uh, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland over the weekend. I, I think this is such a disheartening defeat for Cleveland falling 15 to 10 to Pittsburgh. I, I felt like after uh After the losses they've had, some close losses Cleveland has had, you know, specifically to the Chargers earlier on, you know, I felt like they had kind of turned the corner with a gutsy win against the Broncos shorthanded, but they looked really bad against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh lost their kicker and they were forced to go for two multiple times. It kind of changed the flow of the game. It didn't matter. Cleveland couldn't execute plenty of drop passes Two by uh, Jarvis Landry, who also fumbled at a critical juncture in the game. I, look, I, I think Cleveland is on everyone's hype list of a contending team, but every year, the past couple of years, they seem to disappoint. You think this is another disappointing year for Cleveland?
0: Yeah, I, I've called this from the beginning. Uh, I didn't pick this picture that I've put on the screen by accident. Uh, I think Cleveland's a joke. Uh, I think every year they come up, oh my God, did you see Cleveland? They have Odell Beckham Jr., They have Jarvis Landry. They have Austin Hooper. They have David Njoku. They have a top-tier offensive line now. They have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Miles Garrett's going to break the sack record. You know, they've got a stout linebacking core, good DBs, good safeties. You're not fooling me. Their front office is one of the worst management front offices I have ever seen. They have zero reliability in their coaching staff. And in all of their coordinators, it's a rotating, revolving door. Whoever they have now is not who will be there. I'd say in the next two years because they're going to underperform. This is a Rams win now team. Do you think that if the LA Rams, with all of the pieces that they have in place right now, were performing like the Cleveland Browns, that they would even be allowing their coach to be the coach anymore? No, I think he'd be on his way out. I. It's just crazy to me that people don't see what I see. I see a team that has literally zero excuse to be as bad as they are. And still every year they constantly disappoint.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with you. One play from the game stuck out at me uh, late in the fourth quarter. I think Mayfield, it was third down Mayfield scrambled. And he, he took a hard kind of late ish hit near the first down marker. He got the first down barely. He gets up, he's all fired up. He gets the crowd going and, you know, it's a big it's a big play. It's a momentum play and all that kind of stuff. But as talented as Cleveland is, they shouldn't have to work that hard for first downs as explosive as they're supposed to be offensively. You brought up Beckham, you know, Landry and Joku, those running backs They you know, the offense should fly up and down the field. They shouldn't have any issues. They shouldn't have to have a hard run by their quarterback to get a third and five, you know, against an average Pittsburgh team. But it's just what Cleveland is. They're always disappointing. I feel like they have they have a great Madden roster. They have a great roster where if you look at it on Madden, you're like, this is going to be a good team. I want to play with them. They're not a great real life roster. And I think that goes, and you hit on the front office, I think it goes to the coach and quarterback too. I think Baker Mayfield, you know, we've we've given him a hard time. I think his struggles in execution play a big role. I think his struggles in managing the personalities, you know, have also been an issue. Part of being quarterback isn't just making the right reads throwing the football. It's managing all the personalities in the huddle and in the locker room and and keeping them, everyone involved and engaged and motivated to the same goal. And he's done a terrible job. I mean, there's a story that came out uh, early this week about Odell Beckham's father posting on Instagram you know, why isn't Baker Mayfield throwing, uh, Odell the ball? Look, look at this picture. He's open, right? That that's the kind of stuff that that doesn't happen. If you have a quarterback leading the team and leading the offense, those kind of stories don't happen with Tom Brady. Those kind of stories don't happen with Aaron Rodgers. They didn't happen with Drew Brees or Peyton Manning. And, and, you know, we keep waiting for Cleveland to take that next step and they just continue to not do it. It's they're a disappointing team. Cause I think that they, they have the talent to be good. And I think it'd be kind of nice to see, uh, to see what would happen in that division. If you have all those, you know, a really good Cleveland, a really good Pittsburgh and really good, uh, Baltimore team, I think it'd be really, really fun, you know, as a football fan, but Cleveland just continues to disappoint, you know, especially in the biggest spotlights.
0: I think at this point in time, you could actually put prime Jerry rice, prime Calvin Johnson and prime Randy Moss out there. And they would still underperform Like they'd find a way to screw it up. So I don't know what else people want, uh, briefly, Pittsburgh, I mean, they beat a bad Browns team. What more do you expect? Divisional game, always going to be toss-up. Pittsburgh's not going anywhere. Uh, They're just embarrassingly weak on the offensive side of the ball. TJ Watt's the best player on their team, and they don't hand them the ball enough on offense, so they're probably not going to win. Yeah,
1: Fair point. Uh, Speaking of offense and coming from surprising locations, how about those J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets? Unknown Mike White comes out of nowhere, was a 2018 fifth round draft pick by Dallas, hasn't really played anything in the NFL, relieves the injured Zach Wilson against the heavily favored Cincinnati Bengals. All this man does is go out there, throw for 400 plus touchdowns, leads a double digit fourth quarter comeback. You know, in, an, in the biggest passing yards debut, most passing yards and a starting quarterback's debut since Cam Newton in two thousand, I think in fourteen or thirteen. It's been almost ten years. What a performance by the Jets, and what a letdown by the Bengals.
0: And I also think it was like the most passing yards by a Jets quarterback since like Vinny Testaverdi or something like that in December. Uh, am I right on that? Or am I?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was the first time a Jets quarterback threw for four hundred yards. Since uh, Vinnie Testaverde On was Christmas. there,
0: Christmas, yeah, Christmas Day game of, of some sort.
1: Yeah, f- since the mid nineteen nineties, since I was like four years old.
0: Uh, but yeah, Zach crazy. Wilson wasn't
1: even born yet. It's just absolutely bizarre. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: and Zach Wilson might not be the quarterback after this. Uh, this no. this will be the start of my uh, my conversation. We'll get a little bit into it. But the Trevor Simeon, the uh, Mike White, you know, tons of backup quarterbacks came in this week. And they just played amazing. How can this guy come in and throw for 400 yards in his first game? And then we question, you know, where's Zach Wilson been this season? There's obviously, okay, I'm not going to go ahead and say, let's jump the Zach Wilson ship. Let's take him out to Harbor. But it's not the worst idea. Cause if you look at Arizona and Josh Rosen, they moved on from him pretty quick once they realized he wasn't the guy. And it turned out to work very well for them. So maybe if the Jets get a high enough pick, they consider it. But for this guy to step into the offense and immediately put up major, major yards against a good team. At the time, the best team in the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals. This team that came out and throttled my Baltimore Ravens. They come out and absolutely take it to the Bengals. No matter what, there's some controversy. We'll talk about it a little bit, but no matter what, it was a close game, and that you know, it shouldn't have to come down to one call to win the game. If it's it's a good game, if one call makes the difference, they got to at least question is Zach Wilson the guy after this?
1: Yeah, I I think so, especially since Wilson before he got hurt was leading the league or tied in the league with interceptions, so he hadn't been taking care of the football. I, think, I don't think the Jets had scored a first-quarter touchdown all season prior no, to this game, actually. They hadn't?
0: No, that's correct, yes.
1: Yes, Yeah. So, yeah, big brain show. But, uh, I mean, just what Mike White was able to do with an offense that Zach Wilson couldn't do anything with is, is, is staggering against the Cincinnati team that, like you said, people were very impressed with. You know, I, I kind of wonder a little bit if it was sort of the Cincinnati Bengals. They didn't have film on Mike White. They didn't know how to play him. They didn't know what his strengths and weaknesses were. Uh, so, I, you know, there may be a little bit of that action there. But at a certain point, this is, a, a for no disrespect to Mike White, essentially a nobody in the greater context of NFL quarterback play. And he absolutely shredded them, you know, coming from behind multiple times. I think, uh, I think the Bengals had double-digit leads at least twice, maybe even one other time, especially late in the fourth quarter. You know, a, an absolutely heartbreaking loss for Cincinnati. And uh, we'll go ahead and move to the, that penalty call there at the end of the game. You know, and for those of you that didn't watch it, uh, it was was a third down situation. the The Jets were up by three. They throw a check down to the running back, and the defender comes up. Cincinnati defender comes up and tackles him. And the referees rule fifteen yard unnecessary roughness, essentially ends the game. The questionable penalty about that was it was helmet to helmet unnecessary roughness but the running back lowered his head to initiate the contact. It was an absolutely questionable call, to say the least. Most of social media sphere in the NFL fandom was furious with the call, felt it took the ball out of the hands of the players, and gave the Jets an easy route to a win. What are your thoughts on the call?
0: You can actually see right here in the picture, the defender's head is actually lower than the offensive player's head. That doesn't mean much, but you go back and watch the clip, He's going low for a good form tackle on the legs to grab and roll the gator roll tackle to get this running back down. And you watch the running back lower his head down to initiate that contact like you said. It was in no way did I ever think, oh, this is going to be a penalty on the defense. I mean, maybe this is a no call because it's an offensive player that does helmet to helmet. But if anything, it's helmet to helmet on the offense. And it should knock the Jets back a couple of yards. It's a crazy call. There's a lot of crazy calls this weekend. Uh, the Officiating has really gotten quite questionable, and I think that's something to talk about at a later date, possibly. But uh, nonetheless, this Jets team shouldn't be beating you on one finicky call. Like, this. this isn't the team. If this was last week's game... If this was Baltimore Cincy and this was the play that it would be like the story. It would be like, wow. Terrible call. Uh since he should never won that game. You know, Joe Mixon clearly lowered his head. But this is the Jets we're talking about. This is a team that had won one game up to this point. So I tend to say go Jets. Not because there's AFC North bias, of course. That would be that would be very uh on um apropos of me, but uh, I I say go Jets. I think that uh they they earned the win, and I I think the call doesn't really make that much of a difference.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think the bigger thing to me is if you're going to be a good team like Cincinnati, kind of talk like they were, and you know maybe they were feeling themselves a little bit, you got to beat the bad teams, and the Jets are a bad team with their backup quarterback. You got to take care of business. However, you got to get a win, get the win, and and they didn't do it. And I think Cincinnati, you know, this could be a this could be a big blow for that team and that team's psyche going forward. Um,
0: moving on, I think, uh, through these next few, uh, we got the, the Falcons versus the Panthers. Uh, two middle-of-the-road teams, middle-of-the-road matchup, middle-of-the-road quarterback play by both quarterbacks. Uh, but Panthers ended up taking the win. And uh, what what are your thoughts on this one?
1: So, so Matt Ryan disappointed me through two picks, less than 150 yards against a decent but not great Panthers defense. You know, they haven't gotten Gilmore is not playing a whole lot yet. He played a little bit in this game. I, I think this is just disappointment from Atlanta. You know, I think, you know, there was there was talk before the game. Calvin Ridley uh, stepped aside for, for personal reasons. He's not going he to play in this game. And he's out indefinitely um, taking some personal time there. He's got some personal time banked up. He doesn't want to lose it understand that happens to all of us who uh, work holiday at our jobs. Season, so. it's, it's holiday season. He's got errands to run. He's got chores to do, you know, doctor's appointment. So I get it happens. You got personal time. It's to lose. Might as well use it. Um, but disappointing for Atlanta. Good win for Carolina. Like you said, middle of the road matchup. We'll see if it has any impact, any real uh, any real playoff moves uh, towards the end of the season. But uh, speaking of big playoff moves, I think the big story Uh, heading into the tread day line this week. Uh, It begins and ends with Vaughn Miller, outside linebacker defensive end for the Denver Broncos, or should I say formerly of the Denver Broncos. He's now a Los Angeles Ram. The Rams have traded a second and third round pick for Miller to join that defense headlined by Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd in the front seven and Jalen Ramsey on the back end. How big of a move is this for that Rams defense?
0: Uh, I think it's big, but I'm going to, I'm going to turn the tables on you, Nick. I have a list of moves that were relatively big this week and I'm going to go down the list and I want you to answer, you know, big move or no, no, doesn't matter. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on these. So obviously first we start Von Miller to the Rams. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah,
1: I don't like it. So the big, the big reason is their weakness was not front seven. I brought up Aaron Donald Leonard Floyd. I gave a little teaser there. Um, Their weakness wasn't front seven. It wasn't defense, frankly. It's really depth at offense. They they have have some injury issues on the offensive line. They're basically Cooper Cup and Robert Woods at receiver and not much else. They just cut Deshaun Jackson. I don't think they're great at running back with Henderson. I think they needed offensive depth if they were going to make any moves. I think this is a more flashier move than anything else. I really don't like the move. I don't know what value it adds.
0: Next, I got the Pittsburgh Steelers send Melvin Ingram to the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: So this would have been a great move uh, six years ago when Ingram played for the charters. This is a nothing move. Now Ingram has one sack one in the last 13 games he's played in. You know, I think I, I applaud Kansas City a little bit. At least they have enough self-awareness to know their defense is garbage and they want to make a move to try and improve that defense however they can. But Ingram, he, he's a middle of the road pass rusher in his thirties at best right now. He's an okay against the run you know I guess it's a move it's something it doesn't really wow me. they've got bigger issues on defense than that i well, I, I guess it's something's better than nothing but it's it's an I don't interesting it move
0: for Ingram to come in and replace Daniel Sorensen as safety uh, I thought they thought nothing could be worse than this so they move Ingram to safety and just try it out they they got the best player that they could think of like let's put him in safety. maybe he won't get burned every time he's on the field.
1: Just just anything to get Sorensen off the field, right? Just get exactly. that liability off the field.
0: This one is possibility I actually haven't heard. So this is a, a thought thought uh a you know, like a, a thought provoking question right here. Uh Washington and the Bills have been talking about Trubisky possibly moving to Washington. Uh it has not been confirmed or denied, and I don't even know if it's gonna happen, but just real quick, what do you think? Do you think that could be good, or is it not the move?
1: I don't, I don't really know. I mean, Washington, if they make a move for Trubisky, they're basically saying we think Trubisky is a chance to be our long-term starter, and maybe he does. He obviously wasn't that uh, in Chicago, and he's a backup in Buffalo now. Maybe They, they obviously don't think Heineke's their guy long-term. Fitzpatrick was a starter before he got hurt. He's certainly not long-term. I, I wouldn't like them to do that. If you're Washington, you just kind of play out the season, see how it goes, and then get 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 a quarterback in free agency or draft one. I, I don't really like the move.
0: We, we started filming today right before trade deadline. I hadn't heard anything, and I think exactly what you said. All this does is reiterate that you feel like Heineke isn't your long-term guy, so you're just looking for somebody else. Uh, next moves, the Rams have cut Deshaun Jackson as well as the Green Bay Packers have released Jalen Smith. What do these moves say?
1: The Jackson one's interesting because he had a couple big catches for the Rams. I just think Jackson wanted to get cut. I don't think he felt he was used as much as he wanted to be used, and I don't think he was being paid a lot relatively. I think he was being paid uh, the veteran league minimum. So when you get to a certain number of years in the NFL, you your baseline minimum salary goes up. He's been in the NFL a long time, so his base minimum is pretty low, and I think that's what he was getting paid in L.A. And he just wasn't getting the opportunities that he wanted to play, so uh, he asked for trade, and then when he didn't get it, I think he asked to get cut, so he's going to try and pursue other opportunities. Uh, Jalen Smith, former Dallas linebacker, former second-round pick for Dallas. I understand why Green Bay picked him up after Dallas cut him a few weeks ago because he looks the part. He's big, strong, he's fast. Uh, He's just not a good football player. He had one good year a few years ago, I think in 2018. Yeah, 2018. uh, Made a Pro Bowl and and was a quality player, but it was sort of just the stars aligned. Look, the guy isn't a great tackler in space. He's not great coverage. He doesn't really do anything particularly well. You know, he's a great emotional leader, guy. He's a good story. He got hurt. He's going to be a top 10 pick coming out of college and got a serious injury. Battled through that. Took a year or two before he could even play significantly in the NFL. I like his story, but the fact of the matter is he just isn't good enough to play. Green Bay took a flyer on him, and I understand why. And I think he's going to get another chance somewhere, and I wish him nothing but the best. But I just don't think he's a good football player right now.
0: And quickly, we've already talked about this one, kind of. Do you think Adrian Peterson brings anything to the Titans?
1: It's just give him five carries a game, five carries, 15, 18 yards. Really, it's because their current running back – uh, is a third down guy, smaller scat back kind of guy. So maybe a short yardage guy, uh, Adrian Peterson can be, or, you know, goal line kind of deal, just to kind of do it by committee a little bit at that position for Tennessee. But really this is just grasping at straws. They wanted a veteran who was ready to play and they they knew Adrian Peterson would bring something. I don't think he's going to do anything really remarkable, but it's more just, they have to do something. They got to get somebody in the building and Peterson is just the guy they went with.
0: Uh, they're they're unfortunate that baltimore has already taken every veteran running back on the entire market but uh so moving on to our next story uh the new orleans defense has knocked out tom brady brady three big turnovers one huge one at the end of the game what are your thoughts on this saints team are they the real deal so the Saints, I kind of hit on it earlier,
1: are very, very interesting. They play really good defense. They've got a heck of a running back and overall offensive weapon in Kamara. You know, they've got a good coach in Peyton, and I think they've got a pretty good organization in front office. You know, they, they intercepted Brady twice. You know, they intercepted Rodgers twice. That's two of the top four quarterbacks in the NFL that they've beaten and beaten them by uh, making big plays on defense. I don't think they're an elite contender, however, just because of the quarterback position as good as they've been on defense, as good a weapon as Kamara is, do you really trust Trevor Simeon to beat Brady, Rogers, or heck, even guys like Dak Prescott or Matt Stafford? I, I really don't. And I think as good as Sean Payton is at game planning and scheming, I don't think he can overcome that deficiencies at the quarterback position. I think it's a great story. I think they're a contender to make the playoffs. I don't see them making deep moves. Do you, uh, do you disagree or do you have any other thoughts on that?
0: No, I kind of agree. They're, they're a dangerous regular season team. They have not much value in the postseason. Interesting fact I heard, since Hill was out, Winston went out, Simeon was in, I heard their backup quarterback, if Simeon was to go down, was Alvin Kamara. So it's nice you call him what he is. He's an offensive weapon. So he, he would have been their backup quarterback if, if it would have all gone to crap. But uh, real quick, uh, we can touch on this. Uh, New England has kept rolling. They have beaten the Chargers. The Chargers are reeling two straight losses. Uh, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I, I think this is just a disappointing turnaround for the Chargers. They looked really good through about three four weeks, and then they got absolutely slobber-knocked by baltimore then they go into the bye and then they get new england at home and we got to say new england at home because the chargers have the worst home field advantage in the nfl every time they have a home game i feel like the opposing teams make more noise and have more effect than the home uh, charger fans do that's got to be really embarrassing for that organization but even what's more embarrassing is how good herbert looked through four games he's looked really really bad these last couple Lots of turnovers. He's not taking care of the ball. He's not making the big plays that he was making earlier on in the year. You know, the Chargers are in that brutal AFC West and a really packed AFC. Honestly, I don't trust him anymore. I, Herbert is still an uber talent. There's no doubt about that. But I just don't think this team has enough of that, uh, that leadership and, and, and sort of ability to overcome, you know, challenging and off games and finding ways to win tough tough uh, tough games against good opponents. Their three losses are to three solid teams. Dallas, Baltimore, and now New England. I don't see them as a threat in the AFC anymore.
0: Here's my quick elevator pitch. L.A. Chargers, terrible attendance, terrible fans at home. St. Louis, Missouri has a team that had left, and they have what I would consider a pretty strong fan base at the time back in the day. Why don't we appease everybody? The NFL's lets the L.A. Chargers move back to St. Louis and they can be the St. Louis Chargers and we just swap LA based teams. I think it works out for everybody.
1: I think that's a great, great idea. I don't think it'll happen just because there's so much money involved. And, you know, as much as the Chargers fan base stinks, you know, they still make a lot of money just by being in LA and being in that media market. But I would like that. I like that for St. Louis. I think they're a great fan base. The St. Louis Rams and in that dome was always really cool. That was where the greatest show on turf was. You know, it was a very exciting, very exciting teams and very, uh, very uh, exciting environment to to watch games in. And I, I root for it to happen. I, I just don't think it will. Um, but you know, it, it, we can always root and hope for uh, hope for NFL owners
0: to maybe a little less, be a little less selfish. I now have the toughest question for you, though. The two worst teams in the NFL right now, inarguably, Jaguars and the Lions. Uh, They both got blown out by losing teams. Uh, The question that I believe you have posed, but I now pose to you, who do you rather root for? The Jags, who's got Urban Meyer partying on the road, grabbing girls, living his best life, or... The Lions, who MCDC is out here, you know, putting his heart and soul on the line, saying everything that you could possibly think of uh, to motivate the team. And I think seven in a row was the limit. They're finally just have gave up all hope and they're starting to get blown out.
1: Yeah, I think it's got to be Jacksonville. And it's not because of Urban Meyer, it's because at least you have some, you brought up the keyword hope. You know, you've got Trevor Lawrence, the, the golden boy, right, the franchise, hoping he can develop into a star and a, an elite-level quarterback, and he certainly has the talent to do so. So I think Jacksonville can hang their hat on that. You know, you hit on it. We had talked about it at one of our previous shows. You know, when are the Detroit Lions players going to give up on Dan Campbell? They fight hard every week. When are they going to give up? Well, we saw exactly when they're going to give up, and it was this past Sunday. They got absolutely trundled at home by a bad Philadelphia team, Uh, Jared Goff, I'd almost bench him at this point. He he threw away, he threw the ball away on a fourth down uh, in the middle of the game. It just, he's, whether his heart's in it or not, he's not playing well. Let's just get someone else in there. Even if it's a seventh round draft pick rookie, just throw someone else in there and just try and generate some buzz, some excitement. I, I, I really like what Dan Campbell does. I really like his energy and his accountability that he shows publicly. I think it's good leadership, but I just think there isn't a lot of hope in Detroit. They have nothing to hang their hat on. At least Jacksonville can say, Hey, we've got a, we've got a young rookie who might be something someday. Detroit doesn't have anything.
0: Yeah. I can't root for uh, the lions after the blowout. And like you said, we've reached the breaking point, eight games. That's where you draw the line. All hope is gone. Uh, but another tough question How does Dak Prescott feel sitting from the sideline watching the next Golden Boy, Cooper Rush, come in for Dallas and win against not a terrible but not a good Vikings team?
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Not a good but not a terrible Minnesota team. This is a tough loss for Minnesota. They get Dallas at home without Prescott. You know, they probably, this was going to be a tough game for them anyway, but. Without Prescott, they were probably thinking, "All right, we got to win, big win for us, get above 500." And they just didn't get it done. And Cooper Rush, to his credit, came out and played well enough to win. Made the plays at the end of the game. Uh, was bailed out a little bit by Elliott and Cooper and, and Ceedee Lamb on a few occasions. But he he won the game, and, and kudos to him and great job. I think the happiest person uh, for Cooper Rush, aside from probably his dad and family who can't believe can't believe what they saw, is going to be Cooper Rush's agent because. Cooper Rush's agent probably thought he was going to be a representing a, a career backup in the NFL, and I think after this game, he may get a few calls in the offseason to maybe compete for a starting job. And instead of making 500K, he may have a chance to make five or six million, which I'm sure the agent will really, really appreciate. Uh, but to answer your question about Dak, I think he still feels pretty good. I mean, he knows Jerry loves him. He just got paid 160 or however many million dollars to be the the Cowboys starting quarterback for a little while. So I don't think he's too worried about it. And I think he just, uh, I think he's probably happy for Cooper and uh, happy that uh, Cooper's going to probably get a big payday in the off season.
0: And we have a picture of Cooper's dad and family. I think yeah. that was the best part of the game, watching his dad's expressions throughout the entire game. So Su- such a, you know, he's probably been waiting his entire uh, NFL career coming to games. His son never actually gets to go in finally he gets to go in, the biggest moment of his son in his life, probably. And what does his son do? Like like you told me a few days ago when we were watching the game together, we were talking about it. You said, I'm happy as long as it's close. I don't expect us to win. They probably don't expect to win. But he comes out, he does his thing, and they end up winning the game. I mean, it's incredible, and I feel like, like you said, he's going to get a chance, he's going to get paid, and I think he wholeheartedly took advantage of an opportunity that was set in front of him. And I think he's going to be greatly rewarded for that.
1: Yeah. And I I think you talked on his dad. I love the emotions of the family because it definitely was just like the most disbelief. Like they couldn't believe it. Like it was some kind of Hollywood fairy tale they were living and they were all jumping and hugging each other and laughing and just, just the awe on their faces because Obviously, Cooper Rush—he was a an undrafted free agent, I believe, out of Central Michigan. He hadn't started an NFL game in six seven, or started a game. I'm sorry, in six seven years since he was in college. He's only thrown three NFL passes, career backup guy, and he just goes out and has a great day uh, in terms of winning the game and making plays at the end. Just what a moment for that family. That's something they will all treasure, and it's stuff like that that makes football really great. That's a uh, That's pretty awesome to see. Unless, of course, you're in the state of Minnesota, in which case you feel sick right now after that performance.
0: Terrible. Not as terrible as the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, News is broken. Las Vegas Raiders first-round pick, Henry Ruggs, has been involved in a fiery car crash in Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, It was reported one person has unfortunately passed away as a result of the crash, and Ruggs has been charged with a DUI resulting in death, and I fear this is the end of Henry Ruggs's NFL career.
1: Yeah, probably is. Obviously, he's going to have serious criminal uh, issues with, with this incident. Uh, it, it's a tough situation for the Raiders organization that has had more than enough tough situations this season. Ruggs had finally started to come around and be that explosive playmaker. Uh, They were looking to provide Derek Carr in that offense and kind of compliment Darren Waller a little bit They're They're all pro tight end and now he's going to be out of the picture. you know, it's tough because they actually by not playing this week, found themselves first place in their division. And as only the Raiders can do, even when things are going well for them, they find a way to screw it up somehow tough, tough moment for the Raiders, obviously a tough moment for, uh, for Henry Ruggs and what, like you said, will probably be the end of his career and and whatever penalties he has to face uh, criminally. And I, you know, it's going to be a, a battle for Derek Carr and that team to try and to keep their head on straight and keep moving forward and trying to execute, but it's going to be tough. You know, I, I, I don't think they're able to overcome this. And, and I think this is along pairing this with the Gruden incident. I think this is about to turn their season for the worst.
0: Two points. And just like you said, first point being, I believe this is the final nail in the coffin of the Las Vegas Raiders season. Uh, They had some hope. They had some passion coming in. Uh, They were able to rally around a former South Carolina coach uh, and be able to pull out some wins. But I think this piled with the Gruden incident, piled with everything else that's happened this year. Final nail in the coffin. I don't think the uh, Raiders are going to be able to overcome this one. And secondly, you are a first-round draft pick in the NFL. You've been paid millions and millions of dollars. Call a freaking Uber. Get a driver. It's actually disgusting that you would get drunk and go drive however fast you had to be driving to crash into a car. You can see the car actually caught on fire and burned actually despicable i hope you never play in the nfl again because how do you not have a driver or call an uber it's literally crazy to me that you're getting paid tens of millions of dollars to be a first-round draft pick in the nfl and you can't make better decisions you don't deserve to get paid this kind of money you don't deserve to get paid by anyone in the nfl anymore so i you know show your true colors if you can't handle it then get out
1: yeah, just two, two quick more points on that. So the NFL, they started this a little while ago. They actually have a ride service that they offer to players. They can call 24 hours a day, wherever they are, and a person will come pick them up. Uh, it's obviously only in the NFL cities, but that they offer that specific reason because they're trying to protect the image and things like that. And, and second of all, it just goes to show, you know, when you give, you know, 22, 23 year olds millions of dollars and total freedom in a city, you know, you've got, like I always say, everyone's an idiot until you're 25. And even in this case, an even bigger idiot and in, in, uh, in rugs, bad things happen. So it's just, it's unfortunate, but it is, it is the reality of a of a sport and organization that hands, uh, you know, relatively immature 22 year olds, millions and millions of dollars. Like you said, it, it, it's a, it's a bad incident and a, and a bad look for the league. No doubt about that. Uh, Speaking of bad looks for the league, uh, Sports Illustrated uh, released a few days ago that Roger Goodell was compensated by the NFL and by extension, the owners, $128 million over the last two seasons. Um, Based on that dollar amount, I think it's fair to say that Roger Goodell definitely will never release any of the emails related to the Washington Redskins and their allegations uh, over the past few weeks.
0: I mean, I wouldn't. If you paid me $128 million, I would say that it was confidential, and uh, there's some medical records in there and those emails, and it was HIPAA violation, and we just couldn't discern what was and what wasn't being able to send. Uh, yeah, so we found it. Uh, this is the reason. This is the reason they probably paid him, and the reason they're not releasing them is because there clearly was something in there, but he gets paid a good enough chunk of change to hide it.
1: Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, you—I don't know how many people would be in that and agree with that. And I, I honestly, I, I may be one of those. But to cover up some stuff like that, just to get a check of seventy-five million dollars or this year and one hundred twenty-eight million total over the last two years, it's tough. And i, I think it shines a light on how pro football works a little bit, and that's kind of frustrating because there's so many good things about the league and so many things about the game. But to hear that, you know, the so much of the compensation is tied. You know, directly to things that probably aren't on the up and up is, is very frustrating, at least to me. But I can be a little bit of a purist and an idealist when it comes to stuff like that.
0: But what's even more frustrating is when we, as a group, are trying to put on nothing but a top notch program here at Saturday Morning Inspection. And we try to help out our lesser counterparts, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning of Omaha Productions. We give them critiques on the Manning cast. Maybe they can learn from their mistakes. Maybe they can watch a superior show like ours and learn a little bit. But, much like across the country uh, has been happening, they try to breach the security of our show. Omaha Productions tried to hack our program and infiltrate us. But, as the calm, cool, collected broadcasters we were, it did not affect us we kept on the program like we didn't even skip a beat and i will show the footage of when this happened now and we'll get back with you in just a second i i've took down some notes of the general broadcast not not the football aspect of it but the broadcasting aspect of it uh, did, did i oh give me one second i had uh some something popped up in my ear i'm sure everyone's able to hear it but uh On the broadcast of the Manning cast. Nick, as you can see, they tried to put whatever video clip into our our show, play some weird audio cues, get us mixed up, messed up, but it doesn't work. They should know we're better than that. It's not going to affect us. We're going to figure out the problem on the fly, fix it, and move on. We're too professional for that, and they should just really have known better than to try a lowball tactic like that on us.
1: Yeah, I really don't appreciate, like you said, those lowball tactics from Omaha Production and the Manning brothers. I think this shines a light on the the classy or lack thereof, the classless uh, nature of that Manning family. And I think it starts at the top. I'm looking at you, Archie. You know, this is a sh- call out to you. You know, get on your sons and get on your grandson, Arch. I don't want to see him be this way either, trying to take down and mess with high quality, elite level programming like we have here at Saturday Morning Inspection. This is your warning. If you keep coming at us, hey, we're going to come right back at you.
0: We fire back hard. But on to our next segment, we have our worst-to-first segment. And this week, we are doing the division leaders of the NFC. All right. <clears throat> um, I'll go first, Nick, if you don't mind. And then I'll let you go first in the next segment. Uh, And I'm going to go through these quick because I think we've already talked about all these teams more or less. But my worst of first, starting at the bottom, may surprise some people. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just had a tough loss to the New Orleans Saints. I think they're struggling defensively some. I think on offense, they have games where they seem unstoppable, but somehow when they face a few defenses that match up to them somehow, some way, I don't know how people match up with that offense, uh, they can get slowed down. There is a weakness. There are chinks in the armor, and they are the one team, really, out of this group that has consistently showed chinks in the armor throughout the season. Very first game against Dallas, they almost lost. They've lost a few other games, but to me... They look like the weakest group of the bunch. In third place, I have the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know. Uh, it's pretty close between th- first, er, third and second t- to me with them. Uh, I think they look very, very strong. I think they look very, very strong this past week, and Dak wasn't even in. I think they have a great offense. I think they're very, very, very playing very well defensively. Uh for who they have and what they've been working with. They really look like they've turned the corner. They've had defensive woes the past few years, but uh, they, they've they really, really made some strong draft choices, and I, I think it's helped them out tremendously. Uh, in my number two spot, I have the Los Angeles Rams. I know those are technically a tie between them and the Chargers. I find them the superior team over the Chargers, and I think the Von Miller... Uh, if he has any juice left in the tank, maybe he adds on a, a little bit more pressure in the pass rush. Uh, it's not going to hurt the team. Uh, if they want to trade away all their draft capital to get, put players on to try to win a Super Bowl now, go ahead. But this is such a strong defense. It's such a strong offense. Uh, it really, really comes down to why they're not number one. Is There are so many pieces that haven't played together for so long that I don't think they mesh quite as well as my number one team, who is the Green Bay Packers, I think LaFleur, Rodgers, Devontae Adams, a pretty decent O-line, Aaron Jones, and a defense that has been doing nothing but improving every week, they beat, the, at the time, the best team in the NFL without like half of their starters. They look to me to be the most dangerous team in the NFL right now.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good list, Mize, and and uh, I've got a I've got a lot of agreement with you on on a number of these. But I'll, I'll go ahead and get cracking through mine. Uh, for me, my number four is Dallas. I was going three, four between Dallas, Tampa Bay. Where to And frankly, Tampa beat Dallas. So I, you know, even though Tampa has two losses, I gave them the slight edge. Dallas number four strictly because their defense is 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 better. But I still think they have some holes. I think offensively, they're very explosive and very talented. Uh, But I, I, you know, when it comes to, I look a lot at quarterback play and I think Prescott, while he's had a great year, falls a little short at some of the other guys on this list. And again, I don't, I don't necessarily trust that defense 100% against elite competition. And, you know, like I said, number three for me, that's Tampa. And that just is, uh, they were really high up there, probably number one, lost to New Orleans, obviously set them back. Uh, but I still think this is an elite contender to win the Super Bowl at the end of the year. They're very, very deep. The one issue is that they are beat up in the secondary. Teams will be able to throw on them. We saw the Rams do that a couple weeks ago when Tampa uh, played the Rams in LA, Uh, but I think they'll figure it out as the year goes on. Again, Brady late in the season, Brady in the playoffs, that is a tough situation. Uh, Number two for me, I'm going the Rams. I think, uh, like you said, they're a tie with Arizona, but I think they're the far superior team. I think they have no holes on defense. I didn't think they like I said, I don't think they needed Von Miller. They had a disruptor in Aaron Donald. They had a good outside linebacker, pass rusher in Leonard Floyd. Shut down corner in Jalen Ramsey. They got enough positions on defense. Offensively, what can you say? Cooper Cup is setting a record pace at wide receiver. They've got a good enough offensive line and a solid running back core. I would have liked them to maybe pick up some depth at those position groups if they did anything during the trade deadline. But nonetheless, you know, they look like a really contender. McVay's done a great job again with that team. They're the number two team in the NFC. And then number one, just like you, I'm going uh, Green Bay Packers. You know, I had questions about their roster going into the season. They showed their depth against Arizona. Like you said, they're missing a lot of guys, and they came out and won that game. You know, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones took over that game with that offensive line, who, by the way, are still missing their all-pro left tackle, David Bakhtiari, and they still physically beat up a quality Arizona defense in Arizona. And that defense of Green Bay, their ability to make plays in the red zone, I think, obviously won in the game against Arizona with that late pick. They made plays in the red zone against Washington the week before they're starting to feel their groove a little bit. And then you always have number 12 and Aaron Rodgers. He'll always find a way to get you a few wins in the playoffs. I think this green Bay team is a real, real threat. And if they keep this streak up, they'll have home field advantage in the playoffs. And I tell you what, going to Lambeau field in January time when it's time to win a big playoff game, that is a tough place to win a game. And I think they're going to be in a good situation the rest of the year.
0: Uh, Before we move on to our next segment, which I think is an incredibly good segment we have coming up, our top five, you saying Cooper Cup and the statistic about him makes me remember this. And I do not, I'd be remiss if I did not at least mention this very briefly before we moved on. Another receiver having one heck of a season this year, Debo Samuel of the San Francisco 49ers. He has surpassed Jerry Rice's record with the 49ers for most uh, receiving yards through eight games. He is on pace to possibly set a receiving yardage record from a guy who on that team uh, was kind of, he was a number one-ish guy. Brandon Ayuk was also there, but I i think that uh, he deserves some respect, so that's why I thought I should mention his name.
1: Yeah, and, and I tell you one thing, you know, you brought up Debo Samuel. He's had a great year. What Debo Samuel has been this year is what everybody on this next segment has not been. So we're talking yeah. our top five segment this week, and it's our top five disappointments halfway through the NFL season. So, Miles, you went first last segment. I'll go ahead and go first this one. So I'll get us going. My number five, and that's quarterback from Miami. That's Tua Tagovailoa, which I'm sure I mispronounced that name. This was supposed to be their guy. They tanked for him. He got hurt uh, his senior year at Alabama. Still was able to, uh, They were, Miami was still able to draft him because of it. You know, didn't have a great rookie year, up and down with Fitzpatrick taking play in time. This year, Fitzpatrick's gone, it's supposed to be his year. They draft a uh, former Alabama wide receiver, Jalen Waddle to bring in and give uh, Tua a weapon. Doesn't make a difference. Tua still struggles. He gets hurt, he misses a few games. Look, he threw two picks and a tough loss in Atlanta and one of their more winnable games. They just got beat up by Buffalo. They only scored 11 in that game. This offense isn't very good. This team isn't very good. You know, they only have one win, and I think Tua has been really disappointing so far in his NFL NFL career. The word bust is slowly starting to be whispered around around Tua. It's not there yet, but it's coming. Number four is Matt Nagy, uh, head coach for the Chicago Bears. Look, what can you say about a guy whose quarterback is a lot better When Matt Nagy isn't coaching him, Matt Nagy obviously missed this weekend's game against San Francisco uh, due to COVID protocols. And Justin Fields, not coincidentally, had his best game of his young career at this point. Nagy ruined Trubisky, struggled with Nick Foles and had issues with Justin Fields. This guy's been a big disappointment ever since his first year with Chicago. I think he's on the hot seat. We've hit on it a bunch. He's been a disappointment. Number three, uh, running back for the New York Giants at Saquon Barkley. This number two former overall pick's big issue is consistency and injuries. The guy's a home run hitter when he's healthy, but half the time he can't even play because he's had all these injuries, major injuries, nagging injuries. He just hasn't been able to be healthy. You know, one of my favorite sayings is the best ability is availability, and he Mm -hmm. hasn't been available. And, you know, even when he has played this year, you know, looking at the stats. He averaged less than 50 yards per game, less than four yards per carry. Coming out of Penn State, he was viewed as a generational type player. He is definitely heading right towards bus category right now. Uh, Speaking of bus, looking at Urban Meyer as my number two disappointment. One win this season. You know, it wasn't even in the continental United States. In fact, the Jacksonville Jaguars, fun stat for you, have gone 417 days since winning a game in the United States of America. That is a wild statistic, and Urban Meyer is not doing anything to help that out at all. They just got dominated by a Seattle team, again, without Russell Wilson. You know, Trevor Lawrence, he showed some signs, but he struggled. Is Urban Meyer hurting Trevor Lawrence? Maybe, maybe not. It's hard to tell at this point, but he certainly isn't helping him. He obviously had the -the off-the-field issues. You know, no one was expecting Jacksonville to be great, but they're probably expecting a little more out of Urban Meyer than this. He's my number two disappointment. Number one uh, safety for Seattle, this is Jamal Adams. Look, last year, Seattle gave up a few picks midseason to take Jamal Adams from the New York Jets. I think they gave up a number one pick and and bring him into the fold. He made a big impact right away. He was going to be a franchise safety, a big turnaround, a big linchpin of that defense, and he has done squat. Going into last weekend's game against Jacksonville, he was zeros on the stats, zero interceptions, zero sacks, zero forced fumbles. Zero fumble recoveries. This guy is supposed to be a playmaker and he isn't making any plays. Talk about not living up to his contract. The guy isn't even doing anything. He's been a liability in coverage. He's been liability in the run game. The Seattle defense is ranked very close to bottom in almost all major defensive categories. You know, everyone talks about their issues with Russell Wilson getting hurt. A big part of the problem has been their defense and a big reason why has been Jamal Adams. You know, there's been all this talk about Adams being an all pro guy, uh, an Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor kind of hybrid, and he has just stunk. He needs to step up his game if the Jets, if the, I'm sorry, not the Jets, if the Seahawks have any chance to turn their season around, because he has been really bad the first half of the season. I've been totally disappointed in his performance. He's my number one guy in terms of being disappointed in the first half of the NFL season. Uh, my honorable mention, I'm going to go a little different here. I'm going to go an entire division, I'm going to go the NFC West you know they obviously have good teams and the rams and uh, the rams and the uh, cardinals are obviously at the top each with one loss and san francisco is not bad i just think it's just been disappointing because we all kind of expected these four juggernaut teams maybe four top contenders in one division and with the injuries with seattle the injuries that san francisco has had to play through they they just division hasn't lived, lived up to the hype you know even even the rams have obviously now had a had an ugly loss the cardinals have had an ugly loss I think at a certain point, this division is still elite and they still have some great contenders. I just think we are kind of hoping for this all-time great division this year, maybe a division with four teams, you know, potentially making the playoffs because there's three wild cards now. It's not looking that way now. So my honorable mention disappointment is the NFC West.
0: And I, I think what you described is exactly what we were looking for. Disappointing. It was just disappointing. But like you said, four team playoff, uh, four playoff teams, That's obviously the AFC North. There's currently three teams that have made the playoffs. Go figure. But uh, my list is very different from yours by design almost. But, you know, different people see different things. It's disappointing. Some of these are more personal to me than others. But I'm going to get us off started. Number five on my list is Baltimore Ravens left tackle Ronnie Stanley. And there's a theme On this list. Ronnie Stanley. Two years ago. Got paid. A mega. Hundred million dollar contract. Since then. He has played two games. He got hurt. In 2020. The broken ankle. He was able to make it back. For one game this season. And then. Somehow re-aggravated the injury. And is now out for the rest of the season. Again. And. I don't know what else you could say about something like that, then it's extremely disappointing. uh it makes me even wonder, I know he's a phenomenal player. I know when he's on the field, he's one of the best left tackles in the NFL, but we've been doing okay without him. We had to pay him the world, and he can't stay healthy enough. I know their freak accidents, uh the broken ankle. uh no one could expect something like that, but it's been extremely disappointing that ever since he's gotten paid, is underperformed. Number four on my list, Christian McCaffrey for the Carolina Panthers. Also got paid a huge, huge mega contract. He has been expected to put the team on his back, but since he was paid in 2019, he has also been constantly injured. This year, he is out for the season. The last few years, he's been banged up, missed two or three games here, two or three games there. He has constantly underperformed. He has not been able to carry this team anywhere, and if he's going to get paid like he's the guy, he's almost getting paid like he's the quarterback on that team, he has not performed up to the standard that has been expected from him. My number three disappointment on this list is a coach. Mike Zimmer for the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Zimmer has a high-powered offense. At one point in time, he had Kirk Cousins, he had Adam Thielen, he had Stefan Diggs, and he had Kyle Rudolph. All pretty high-level players. He decided to get rid of Rudolph, which I'm okay with. He decided to keep Thielen and let go of Diggs. Diggs has vastly outperformed Thielen. So I don't I think it's a questionable decision on the choice there. But mainly I'm getting at Mike Zimmer has been heralded as a defensive genius. And he has one of the absolute worst 29th ranked rush defenses in the NFL right now. They've been absolutely exposed on defense through running attacks. And I think For you to be this defensive genius head coach, I don't understand how your strongest strength, you're one of the worst in the league at currently, and that's just unacceptable and disappointing to me. My number two pick brings me much joy to say that it is none other than Baker Mayfield, a former first-round number one overall pick. Two superstar running backs in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Two stupor, superstar number one, bona fide number one caliber receivers in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Two superstar tight ends in Austin Hooper and David Njoku. A very strong offensive line that has been retooled this season. An incredible defense. I've said this before this episode. Incredible defense. Where you have Miles Garrett about to set a record of sacks in the NFL. Yet he has underperformed every season. And it is a team, like I said earlier, like the Los Angeles Rams. But the Rams needed a quarterback to succeed. The reason the Browns are not succeeding, the sticking point, is the quarterback. When you build a computer or you use technology, there's a thing that people talk about as a bottleneck. It's the weakest part of the machine that you have built, and it's what's holding it back. The bottleneck of this Browns team is Baker Mayfield. And before they need to get rid of him and move on if they want to get any form of success. But I digress. This is just number two. Number one on my list is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes went to two straight Super Bowls, 1-1. Since then, he has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. They have just barely over 500 record this season so far. He is the leader in turnovers. He's number one in interceptions, very high in fumbles, number one overall in turnovers this season. The offense has looked embarrassing. The defense is actually the worst defense in the NFL. Uh, The only thing that could happen, you send Mike Zimmer over to Kansas City and maybe they finally get like the worst team that they could possibly have. But Patrick Mahomes, like Ronnie Stanley, like Christian McCaffrey, gets paid a record-setting largest contract ever for any player and underperforms. What is the trend here lately with players getting paid Mega contracts, record-setting contracts at their position, and then constantly underperforming. Yes, we set high expectations on them, but they gave high-level performance up to this point. If they would have just performed like they did before, no one would be saying anything. But these guys have constantly regressed below the mean after they get paid mega, mega, mega contracts. And it's very, very disappointing Uh, I would be very upset if I was a Chiefs fan knowing that I'm stuck with this guy for the next 10 years and he's finally showed his true colors when they go to pay him. Can he carry the team on his back? Uh, As of right now, I say no. No, he can't. He needs some help. Uh, And finally, my honorable mention that I have to throw in, it's a binding contract. Each show uh, is Ben Roethlisberger of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Big Ben devoted his life to Jesus in the offseason, which I think is great. Uh, He lost a ton of weight. They said uh, it's now Skinny Ben. Skinny Ben's back. Uh, He's going to be more mobile. Uh, He's going to get less injuries because he's more healthy. You know, his mind is God, family, football. He's not has any outside distractions. Uh, And he's been nothing but subpar and makes me wonder why he's still on the team uh quite embarrassing if you ask me to say the least uh but that is my list
1: yeah i gotta love a list from you there's always a there's always a almost a a baltimore rivalry uh tie-in almost anything with you talking about baker ben and and jackson but uh yeah that was that was fun that was one of our best top fives i really enjoyed it you know gotta love uh Gotta love using our big brains and able to, to talk trash about some of the best athletes in the world and 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 put them in their place a little bit there. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, let's let's move on to uh sort of our mid year reviews of our original picks for some of these key uh key awards and 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 Super Bowl picks. I'll uh I'll go first and I'll hand it off to you. Um I'll, I'll go through uh, each of my picks for the individual awards and the Super Bowl and I'll I'll let y'all know if I'm going to stick with it or if I'm going to change. So I'm gonna start with offensive rookie of the year. Uh, I originally picked Mac Jones in New England. Uh, I'm gonna stick with that. I think he's been a great player as he's grown throughout the grown throughout the season. He's the best playing rookie of the bunch, no real doubt about that. Um, he's got the Patriots at four and four. They're right in the thick of it. I mean, especially if they make a playoff run and get a chance to to maybe sneak into a wild card spot, uh, I think he'll definitely get that award. Uh, defensive rookie of the year. I wanted to go Micah Parsons. I decided to go Patrick Sertan. Well, I'm just going to go and be a homer here real quick and ride uh, ride Michael Parsons in that that sweet mother's milk, as Jerry Jones likes to say, And uh, for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Sertan's been good, but Parsons has been really, really good. He's getting better every game. Four tackles for loss in his most recent game. He's a pass rusher, can make plays and uh, coverage too. He's been a really nice player. Uh, MVP, this is where I really started to go wrong. I, I picked Christian McCaffrey, running back for – for uh, Carolina Panthers. You know, he's obviously a good player and uh, since he's gotten hurt, the uh, in the games that he hasn't started, Carolina's 1 and 4. Uh there were 3 and 0 in the games he did, so some validation there, but the fact of the matter is when you're hurt and miss four games, you can't be the MVP, especially when you're supposed to carry the team. So he's no longer going to be my pick for MVP. You know, I'm going to kind of switch gears here a little bit. I know uh I know I'm going to kind of you know, I know a lot of momentum's on Stafford, uh, but I think, I think I'm going to go surprise here. I think Rodgers wins it again because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to really start to heat up once Devontae Adams gets back into the fold. And I'm curious if that tough NFC West, if the Rams, especially they played a few closer games now, if they start to lose a few games and start to taper off a little bit. So I'm going to switch my MVP pick uh, from Christian McCaffrey to Aaron Rodgers. All right, so moving on to my Super Bowl picks. Originally, I had the Tennessee Titans and the Seattle Seahawks. Well, we talked about a big brain show. Uh, I look like a big old idiot with those two picks right now. Um, Seattle, with the injuries to Russell Wilson, has underperformed, obviously. Definitely not going to go with them out of the NFC. Tennessee was starting to turn around uh, with their big win against the Colts, and they've obviously beaten Buffalo and Kansas City. But now the injury to Derrick Henry, they're no longer a top contender, so i got to switch both picks. As embarrassing as that is so in the NFC I already brought up Aaron Rodgers, I think they're going to get home field beating Arizona was huge for this team I think they're playing great they're going to get healthier. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers go to the Super Bowl of the NFC they've been in the NFC championship game the last two years I think this is the year they break through Uh, and in the AFC. Look, I think it's wide open, but I really like the growth that Lamar Jackson has done that passing game with that Baltimore offense. I think Cincinnati is underwhelmed, obviously lost to the Jets. The Titans are hurt. Kansas City is not nearly as good like we talk about. I think this is the Ravens' time to make another move to the Super Bowl. So I'm changing up my Super Bowl pick uh, to Baltimore out of the AFC
0: and Green Bay out of the NFC. I can't uh, disagree with you But for me, uh, my Offensive Rookie of the Year, I pick Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons. I think he's up there in the top three. Uh, I think with the loss of Calvin Ridley, he has more chances to shine in this offense. I think Cordero Patterson is going to help open up so they don't completely focus on him. Uh, I'm going to stick with it and give it a shot. He's not the highest-rated pick to make. But I think he has a cha- outside chance here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my gut and see if he can keep keep moving on down the road. Uh, for my defensive rookie of the year, I have Micah Parsons. It's no brainer for me to stick with him. I think he's the clear cut uh, number one defensive rookie right now. He would even have a outside chance at being the defensive player overall of the year so far. So uh, crazy for me to move on from him. My MVP pick was Matthew Stafford of the Los Angeles Rams, and right now it seems as if it's Stafford's uh, award to lose. Um, If he keeps playing the way he does, I don't see any reason why he doesn't have a good chance to win the award, so I'm going to stick with that. And now to some changes. My Super Bowl picks, LA Rams, Buffalo Bills. I'm going to stick with the Rams. I think they have a good chance to make it there. I think Green Bay is going to be tough to move past, but I think it is possible. So I'm going to stick with that for uh, uh, consistency' sake. There's no move. There's no reason to move on from them. If it uh, ain't broke, don't fix it. But on the Buffalo side of the ball, I've seen some weakness in them. I've seen some regression. Uh, and you know what I'm just going to say? You said it. It's really convinced me. Baltimore's going to go to the Super Bowl this year, and they're going to beat the Los Angeles Rams. That's my picks, and I'm sticking to it.
1: Write it down. Like it. Love it. All, all right that's a that's a great recap of our list uh I think we're getting close to the end here real quick though for Thursday night football we've got Jets at Colts uh this week real quick Miles what's your what's your gut uh you got Jets winning or Colts winning Jets oh Ryan right, I'm going Indianapolis I think uh I think the Jets got caught lightning in a bottle I don't think they catch it again so you're going Jets I'm going Indianapolis um
0: Thursday night football all right that's our show uh Miles you got any final words for us uh, as always, a big thanks to everyone who has stuck around and listened to us. Uh, we are changing some stuff up. We're going to be releasing two episodes a week now. This one episode will be a little bit longer than it normally is because of the trade deadline. There was so much news this week. We had to get through all of it, uh, but we're going to be starting to release two 45-minute shows, I believe, on Thursday and Saturday. So keep your eyes peeled for those as well as throughout the week week releasing clips from those shows Uh, if anyone wants a smaller more digestible bite to take as always you can find us on smishow.com you can search for us on youtube apple Podcasts, and spotify podcast at saturday morning inspection check us out on facebook check us out on twitter smi football show uh we have a great week ahead of us great football uh you know i can't wait to see what happens
1: Yep. Going to be a great weekend. As always, thanks to everyone. Please like, comment, subscribe, however you can, and however you listen.